Hi, this is Clayton from Chicago, Illinois. And if I didn't spend so much time listening to better podcasts, I still wouldn't listen to I Doubt It with Dalmar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the big, big show. I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, as always. And across from me, smart and beautiful as always, my lovely co host, Brittany Page. Here I am. <laughs> Are you ready? To, you ready to, to do this? I am. There were a lot going on. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Definitely a lot going on. Almost too much <laughs> going on. It is going to be a big show. Maybe by comparison. The gayest show we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very possible. You think that it's an accurate description of what is to come? It could be, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, are, how are you, though? I'm good. Are you uh, calmed down? <laughs> are you uh, tranquil and ready to go? Mm. You've You've been a little riled up, not even about the latest news, just some Facebook activity that has been going on for the last couple of weeks that's been, it's had you in a, a little bit of a tiff. Yeah, I've been feeling a little feisty lately. Yeah. I I haven't been involved in Facebook debates for a pretty long time. I think I've been kind of staying out of the debating scene for Maybe even like the last year. The debating scene. Yeah. Like the dating scene. But no, it's the debating (laughs) scene with Brittany Page. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess maybe it's I have more time on my hands because it's the summertime. and Yeah. Actually, that's probably what it is. I have more time to get myself into trouble and delete it on Facebook. So So why don't you you tell the audience what's been going on? We don't have to name any names or anything or talk about specifics. But... uh, what has been fueling your your mild rage lately? Okay, well, this first one is I saw this natural... <laughs> there's, there's multiple. Brace yourselves, everybody. Well, it's a situation. Okay, so I saw this natural news article, which we all know how I feel about naturalnews.com. Right, or green science or any of those others. Yeah, but natural just... news, in this case, is what has drawn your ire. Yeah, it's it's no good. Please, please, if you respect me at all, just do me a favor and stop reading it. Stop sharing it. Just stop. Okay. Listen, if you respect yourself, stop sharing it. Yes. So someone shared this article. It says every mass shooting over the last 20 years has one thing in common, and it's not guns. Okay. Now, just right (laughs) off the bat, there's a problem. I feel like there's a major problem. Every mass shooting over the past so many years has one thing in common, and it's not guns. It seems like that would be the only thing That mass shootings, yeah. If there's one thing, it's definitely guns. Yeah, the shooting, the guns, (laughs) seems to go together. It's not like they walked into a school with one of those t-shirt cannons. 
I mean, people die at the hands of firearms. Right. So the whole point of this article is that psychiatric drugs are to blame. Oh, okay. Particularly SSRIs, antidepressants. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I just, I comment on this link because I love to punish myself. <laughs> and I just say, you know, how is there a causal relationship here? I mean, I just... There's not been like a systematic study. It seems like a difficult thing to study even because you're dealing with people that have carried out mass shootings. Right, right. Um, so I just asked that question and the person came back and rapid fire gave me like five links on this thread that, you know, after challenging and saying, hey, I don't think a, this natural news source is very good. They just did a quick Google search is what it appeared like. And Rapid Fire gave me five links that then backed right, up the right. natural news article. One of which was about how Dylan Roof, who did the Charleston shooting, how he had been on Suboxone, which we talked about last time. And it's used to treat like opiate addiction. Mm -hmm. And the article itself that he shared on this thread, the person that was arguing with me, it said, experts say there's really no cause here that Suboxone would cause violence, but we're apparently just going <laughs> to write this article about how he might have been on it anyway. So so it's very likely this person didn't even read the article, just saw the headline right. and wanted to share it and get it in front of you like, oh, I've got proof here. Right. Oh, yeah, here's yeah. another example of a shooter that was on drugs, except for in the link, there's no connection there. Right, right. And so I started reading the other links and they were all the same thing. It were these, the title. Where they actually supported the drugs not being causal. Right. Yeah. And the title would kind of be ambiguous. So if you read the title, it, it kind of seemed like it might be in this guy's favor. So what I think <laughs> happened is he just, you know, did a quick search after he was challenged. Right. Found some titles that maybe looked appropriate and just smacked them on this thread. Now, what really pissed me off is a couple days later. Wow, here we go. Well, no, because well, I. Here's the deal is you you gave a lot of time to do research, read all of the articles and come up with a rebuttal and information for that person. Right, and then I just got no response. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> it was a long comment that you left. Well, here, I'm addressing your specific concerns. Here's a bunch of information. Here's a summary of what I think. And then fucking crickets. Nothing. Right. So what really made me a little ticked off, <laughs> I changed my language there, you see, <laughs> is that a couple days later, this person then shared a link onto my Facebook page. Right. And it said, school shooters and stabbings committed by those on psychiatric drugs. And Th I, this one's awesome, by the way. Really, really good. Yeah. And they say, I believe the term is sauce, which I didn't understand what that meant. I still am not sure if what I found when I searched Internet slang for sauce, I'm not sure if it's right, but it kind of fits with what it could be. Right. Apparently it was like a way to like show me he here's your source kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I if, if we're wrong on that, though, let us know because I'm look, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'd love to know what the hell it means. Yeah, I, I don't have the, the Reddit jargon memorized. Yeah, I know YOLO. That's about it. <laughs> okay, so I open this link and I immediately see that it is CCHR. Right. Now, this is Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Which sounds reputable and awesome. Like, it sounds like a very valid source right and it looks like it could be as well yeah well because the organizations that runs that has a lot of money and resources to pour 
into talented web programmers and everything else. I mean, it's and a, branding, a, right? It's a very, very adroit marketing organization. So who runs it? Scientology. Right, Scientology. <laughs> and CCHR actually runs the Psychiatry and Industry of Death Museum in Hollywood. Which we've been to and talked about on the show, how creepy and the hidden cameras, they, they're watching you go through. Right. And it's a just a complete propaganda arm. Right. I mean, listen, whatever your opinion on psycho, uh, psychiatric drugs and maybe the overuse, and I would be one of them, there is a use for them. They are a valid way to help people with their mental illnesses, whether it be depression or schizophrenia. It's not leading them to the Holocaust like Scientology would have you believe. And that is, I mean, really what they believe. Absolutely, They, they yeah. run this very successful, I don't know if it's very successful, seemingly it is with the comments that I'm getting, um, <laughs> propaganda machine against psychology and psychiatry. So anyway, this person left this this comment, this this link on my wall, and I just said, you know, what is this? This is CCHR. This right. is Scientology. This is not a legitimate source either. Well, this person also, just to give a little bit of background, this person also claims to be a, a person of science. A person who respects data and research and valid sources. Right. So that's what bothers me. And I know like it's weird to get angry about this, but this is someone who purports himself to be an intellectual and he's always sharing information, talking about important topics. He's very political on Facebook and he's always sharing things. And it concerns me because when you're putting this information out there, the uninitiated are going to read these links and think, well, this person's really active on the political scene. They seem to be very educated. They're very involved in these important yeah, topics. Right, right. I think I might listen to what they're saying. And that's scary. And, and on the Internet, you have well, you should feel as though you have a responsibility if you are one of those people where people are liking your links or involved in discussions with you, right? That you right. have a responsibility to be responsible with your information. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the tragedy of our time right now that you can feign credibility with with the links or whatever that you share when you're completely bullshit. You know, in what some of the links that he provided you probably got their information from the CCHR. Yeah, it's very likely. Yeah. So what happens is you get a guy with a WordPress site who writes a blog and he says one thing and it gets picked up by another blog, you know, so green science makes something up and then natural news Re retells that story even though it's false right and then it just gets propagated across all of these conspiracy websites right so it's very problematic and i think we all have an obligation as honest human beings as honest people to to traffic in truth to traffic in in accurate information well and just to the best that you can and if you can't then just know your limitations and maybe don't spread that information. I mean, I don't talk about a lot of issues because they're, they're not within my reach, you know? Right, right. Well, he, the thing is, is if you're... It, it, don't go find a headline. And we'll, we'll, we got to get off this. But don't just go find a headline that happens to 
agree with your point of view and then put it up there. Read the information. The truth will set you free. You don't need falsity to, to further your way of thought. If, if what you believe is true, then the truth will do it for you. Right. So I res- just to wrap up what happened, I responded to this person and said, yeah, this source is from Scientology. It's not legitimate either. Then I reposted my comment from the other thread we were right, debating right. on that he never responded to again. <laughs> and it's been a couple of days and still nothing. So, so good. we'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe more Scientology links are in my future. Well, let's hope not. All right. Well, a little bit of follow-up before we move on. We talked about uh, a graduate student who had just got a job at Princeton University named Michael LaCour, who falsified or allegedly falsified results on a survey. Right. And he had his journal article retracted by the journal Science. Right. Which was... You can change people's minds on gay marriage if you have a 20-minute conversation with them, yada, yada, yada. We talked about this. Uh, We just wanted to give you a little bit of information that that job offer from Princeton has been rescinded, and now Michael LaCour is on the hunt for a new job because apparently Princeton is not in the business of hiring people who are frauds. Apparently. Apparently not. (laughs) Uh, The other little piece of follow-up that we want to talk about before we move on to the big news News. is Ben Affleck is apparently responsible for PBS postponing the release of any further seasons of Finding Your Roots. Right, because he pressured producers into leaving out details about an ancestor of his who owned slaves. That's kind of what the situation was. So PBS will not run the show's third season until staffing changes are made, including hiring a fact checker, it said. The show, which is hosted by the Harvard professor Henry Louis Gates Jr., traces family histories of celebrities and public figures, and it has run for two seasons. The concern about Mr. Flex See, I'm saying it wrong like you now. <laughs> Because you're influencing no, me. No, everyone should should say it that way. I'm convinced it's the right way to say it. Okay. It's been a fleck. Okay. Mr. Affleck. Affleck. Affleck's relative surfaced in the WikiLeaks catch of hacked Sony emails after Mr. Gates asked Sony executive for advice about a megastar who wanted to omit a detail about a slave-owning ancestor. Well, listen, kudos to PBS for doing the right thing here. It really does lend uh, a lot of credibility to their brand and who they are and what their policies are because they could very well, this could be a moneymaker for them, let this this the series move forward with all the publicity surrounding this entire controversy and they're choosing to do the right thing until they batten down the hatches and maintain some higher level of credibility for it. So I think that's great. Before we move on, you need to go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, go to the Amazon link. Go through to Amazon. If you're going to spend your money at Amazon anyway, why not help your favorite twice-weekly show that gives you beautiful news and ridiculous comment? We would appreciate it very much. As always, we appreciate everything that our audience does for us relative to the Amazon link. And also, you know, just generally listening. It's awesome. If you would like to comment, I didn't mention the phone number one time last episode, Brittany. was so busy. 
Yes. If you'd like to sound off about anything you have heard or hear today, whether you disagree or agree, we certainly appreciate dissent here. 657-464-7609. That is our number. You can leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail. You can also send us through email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. That would be great. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Big news. I'm sure you've already heard because you are a member of our audience and you don't live under a rock. You watch the news, you listen to the headlines, and you are generally well aware of the goings-on around you in our world. Well, the Supreme Court of the United States, as expected, at least expected by us, has ruled the correct way, come down on the right side of history, and ruled in favor of Obergefell and subsequently made gay marriage legal across the land in the United States and its territories. Well, we have a little clip here. It's about two minutes that kind of sums up the the progress from the beginning when gay marriage started in the court system and through referendums in states until today. I think it just it's very succinct and gives a great history it's called the March of Marriage Equality. Just after midnight, thousands celebrated what was once just a dream. Gay couples are tying the knot legally for the first time in Connecticut. And now in the past week, both Iowa and Vermont. Cheers in New Hampshire, where same-sex couples celebrated the first same-sex couple to legally wed in the nation's capital. And judges across the state will be opening their doors today. I'm glad that my parents are getting married. Big wins for same-sex marriage. Maine, Maryland, and Washington have become the first states to approve same-sex marriage by popular vote. This is a historic day for Maryland. The Defense of Marriage Act was struck down and Proposition 8 effectively invalidated. Again, legalizing same-sex marriage in California. Rhode Island and Minnesota are the latest states to legalize same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriages are being recognized in the state of New Jersey. And Hawaii will become the 16th state. New Mexico has become the latest state. A federal judge has struck down Oregon's same-sex marriage ban. And a federal judge in Pennsylvania. And starting today, same-sex couples in Illinois can legally marry. The United States Supreme Court here in Washington has now decided not to hear appeals on same-sex marriage. The court's order immediately. Immediately ends delays on marriage in these states. More than half of all Americans now live in a state where gay marriage is legal. A federal judge has struck down North Carolina's gay marriage ban. We're going to take you to Alaska now. Now legal in the state of Idaho. Wyoming is the latest state. It's in Montana. South Carolina. Same-sex marriage officially became legal in the Sunshine State at midnight. A full-blown civil rights battle in Alabama. Now 36 U.S. states and the District of Columbia currently allow gay marriages. The, in a landmark decision, the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that states cannot ban same-sex marriages. What this means is that it is now the law of the land in the 14 states that now ban same-sex marriage. This will take a while. It won't be immediate. 
So June 26, 2015 was a beautiful day and will live on in my mind and heart. It's the day before my birthday, and it is, uh, it's a happy time. Um, everyone in the United States is finally treated equal relative to marriage, and so many friends of mine and Brittany's who have up to this point been denied the ability, the right under the Constitution of the United States to marry one another are now able to. And that is a, it's a wonderful thing when a, when a group of oppressed citizens who have been oppressed for years and years, for, for, for decades, when they're finally, through the stroke of a pen, through the decision of the Supreme Court, from one minute to the next, they are, they are full citizens who are enjoying equal protection under the law, under the 14th Amendment. It's a wonderful thing. So this case, Obergefell, was about a man, James Obergefell, who was married in another state, but then his marriage was not recognized in his state of Ohio. That's right. And he wanted to be listed as the surviving partner on his husband's death certificate. His husband had ALS and died as a result of that illness. And he just wanted to be listed on his husband's death certificate right, right. as the surviving partner. And Ohio would not recognize their marriage because they were married out of state. And so this case was fought in the Supreme Court and he won. And it's awesome. So uh, we have, uh, after the ruling, we have his speech that he gave before the throngs of spectators and supporters and protesters even, outside of the Supreme Court, and this is what he said. Good morning. My name is Jim Obergefell, and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I've lived in Ohio for most of my life. My late husband, John, and I were together for almost 21 years before he passed away as a result of the complications of ALS. I'm here today in front of our nation's highest court because my home state fought the recognition of my marriage to John. And when the man I loved and cared for passed away from one of the cruelest diseases known to humanity, the state of Ohio, the state in which I've lived, worked and paid taxes for most of my life, continued to fight my right to list my name on John's death certificate. No American should have to suffer that indignity. That's why John and I and the 30 plaintiffs who, who are part of this lawsuit decided to fight. I know in my heart that John is with me today. That man cared for and loved me for 21 years through thick and thin. Today's ruling from the Supreme Court affirms what millions across this country already know to be true in our hearts. Our love is equal. That the four words etched onto the front of the Supreme Court, equal justice under law, apply to us too. All Americans deserve equal dignity, respect, and treatment when it comes to the recognition of our relationships and families. Now, at long last, Ohio will recognize our marriage, and most important, marriage equality will come to every state, every state across our country. It's my hope that the term gay marriage will soon be a thing of the past, that from this day forward, it will simply be marriage, and our nation will be better off because of it. I also hope that this that this decision has a profound effect in reducing the stigma, the hurt 
the alienation and discrimination that LGBT people all too often feel when we live our lives openly and authentically. At the same time, while we will celebrate today's victory, my heart is also in Charleston. These past few weeks and months have been an important reminder that discrimination in many forms is alive and well in America. It reminds us of the deeply unfortunate reality that progress for some is not progress for all, and that there can be equally significant steps backward as there are forward. If we're truly dedicated to our democracy and the values that we as a nation cherish, we must be equally committed to ensuring that all citizens are treated equally, that all Americans deserve justice. That's when we're all united. I want to thank my legal team, and especially Al Gerhardstein, who stood by me every single step of the way. And thank you to ACLU, Lambda Legal, GLAD, and NCLR, and all of the litigators, plaintiffs, and organizations who fought for equality. Today's victory, our shared victory, was only possible because of each and every one of you. I'd like to give a special thank you to Mary Bonato and Doug Howard-Drymeyer, who brilliantly argued, argued our case before the court and eloquently affirmed my life and relationship and those of millions of others like me across this country. We owe you all a huge debt of gratitude. But most importantly, I'd like to thank John for loving me, for making me a better man, and for giving me something worth fighting for. I love you. This is for you, John. Thank you. So this was a 5-4 ruling. That's right. With Sotomayor, Ginsburg, Kagan, Breyer, and Kennedy coming down four. That's right. So not and not all, not all Democrat appointees to the court. No, Kennedy was appointed by Reagan. That's right. Yeah. He he was a guy who uh was more conservative in his younger days and has kind of uh, come around to rational thinking on a lot of things, such as topics like this, so social social topics. Right, and then the four that dissented were Scalia, Thomas, Alito, and Roberts. Right. Which was to be expected. Certainly um, Scalia and, and Thomas were expected. The other two were Alito, I would say. Roberts is kind of a... He's a, he's a he's a he's a wild card. Yeah, he's another swing. You never know with him because he's 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 an Obamacare. He's the one who's creating the controversy with Obamacare, allowing it to go forward. He's the swing vote there. So right. So the most popular paragraph that's been going around as a result of this ruling is from Kennedy. Oh, I'm so glad you're going to read this. I this is awesome. I love this. So he wrote, no union is more profound than marriage, for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice, and family. In forming a marital union, two people become something greater than they once were. As some of the petitioners in these cases demonstrate, marriage embodies a love that may endure even past death. It would misunderstand these men and women to say they disrespect the idea of marriage. They're pleased that they do respect it, respect it so deeply that they seek to find its fulfillment for themselves. Their hope is not to be condemned to live in loneliness, excluded from one of the civilization's oldest institutions. They ask for equal dignity in the eyes of the law. The Constitution grants them that right. The judgment of the Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit is reversed. It is so ordered. 
that last sentence and little blurb, it is so ordered, is a powerful thing. It really struck me when I read it the first time. Just the immense power of the Supreme Court and the authority. The judgment of the Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit is reversed. It is so ordered. And that's it. It is, there's no more powerful expression than that. So outside, you can hear while he's giving his speech, the celebratory mood and atmosphere outside. And the party continued long into the night. They put the rainbow flag colors up on the White House. The, the gay men's choir of Washington, D.C. They were singing the national anthem. amazing to me how emotional I still get when I listen to the to the Star Spangled Banner to our national anthem especially surrounding this type of momentous occasion right this is a, a, a historic ruling I mean every ruling is historic because the Supreme Court doesn't take up everything but this is a big deal and I want to kind of get into exactly why or where from where this decision hinges because there was a lot of talk about it's a Tenth Amendment issue. The Tenth Amendment is, you know, roughly states that any power that's not specifically for granted to the federal government or specifically not granted to the states, it's for the states to possess. And that is where slavery and the first, you know, civil rights movement relative to race, it was all a Tenth Amendment issue. How are we how are we going to treat people? Are we going to be able to discriminate against them? Well, it should be up to the states to decide that. Here we are in modern times, 2015, and we're addressing the same question using the same tired excuses using the 10th Amendment of the United States Constitution as justification. Fortunately, in this case, we also have the 14th Amendment, which was the crux of this, which surrounds many things. Among them, most poignantly, is equal protection under the law. Right. So this ruling says that gay marriage is constitutional because of the 14th Amendment. Right. So, so just the yeah. main chunk of the 14th Amendment says all persons born or naturalized in the U.S. and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. 
And that there is the crux of this decision. That no state can deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. It matters not that you are rich and I am poor. We are looked at by the law with the same lens. We have equal protection under the same laws. So you cannot offer a marriage license, a government entity getting involved in something as, as personal as marriage. You can't offer it to one group and not offer it to another. To consenting adults who want to enter into that union, you can't offer it to one and then not offer it to another. That would, not, that would be unequal or unequal protection under the law. Even if it's based on your closely held religious beliefs. Especially if it's based on your closely held religious belief. And I've been seeing a lot of parallels being drawn between the gay marriage issue and the interracial marriage issue. And I found this interesting in 1967. Nineteen sixty seven, everybody. Right. The Supreme Court ruled that states couldn't prohibit interracial marriage. It's the same thing. States couldn't inhibit interracial marriage, invalidating laws in sixteen southern states. Right. Because sixteen southern states had it on the books that it was illegal for a white person to marry a black person. That is not equal protection under the law. Right. And they claim states' rights on that. They claim Tenth Amendment uh, privilege under that. And they failed there. Still making the same arguments. Also still southern states. Right. A- absolutely still southern states. The stigma and the the muscle memory of these states goes very deep and they're going to cling to 10th amendment privilege for probably generations to come as we go forward whether it be transgender issues moving into the into the future they're going to cling to that 10th amendment but let me tell you something folks individual rights are more important than rights of the state my right to free speech is more important than the government's right to do whatever which tries to balance out my freedom of speech. That's a really powerful way to look at it, I think, that most people either aren't considering, aren't really thinking about, or I think a lot of the religious individuals that are having a very panicked reaction to this ruling... Oh, there's a lot of them, too. They're just not thinking it through right now, and they just need to pause and maybe think on what you just said, because I think that's a really important point. And there have been a lot of... Um, wacky reactions to this ruling. Oh, yeah. There have also been a lot of very heartwarming, beautiful responses. Um, Essie Cup, she is a conservative. She's a Republican. She she got a little choked up and had a lot of very wise things to say when talking to Wolf Blitzer on CNN. Essie, uh, this, this, you, you can see how happy these people are now that they will have equal rights, equal rights to get married. Yeah, frankly, it's sorry, hard to watch that and not um, get emotional. Those those people there are not pariahs. They are patriots. And wherever you stand on the politics of this issue, and I've long been in support of gay rights, um, it's 
it's it's hard not to see these people as just wanting the human dignity that the rest of us have, whether that's when it comes to death benefits or hospital visitation or child custody, um, tax issues. So um, again, the politics of this is one thing, but I would just challenge members of my party to look at the faces on the right hand of your screen and, and ask yourselves if they deserve the same kind of dignity that, that the rest of us get to enjoy. Um, you can argue with the Supreme Court's rationale and whether or not they uh, had, had the right to sort of make this decision on behalf of individual states, but this is America. Those people are Americans, and that is our future. And so for my party, which I deeply, deeply love, um, my party really has to reconcile with the fact that we are going to become relics if we don't get to where these people are. They are, they are patriots. They are, they're not asking for a lot. And it's, it's really time for, I think, the, the, the party politics to shift on this. You may not know this yet, uh, but the Republican National Committee, I see your party just issued a statement critical of this decision by the United States Supreme Court. Uh, the decision is based basically on the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, I see, and a couple sentences in there, and I'll read it to our viewers. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. In effect, that 14th Amendment to the Constitution says gay Americans have equal rights right now as heterosexual Americans. If they want to get married, it is their right to get married. A clearly momentous day here in the United States, I see. Yeah, and what I've never understood is why conservatives who are not sort of on, on my side of this don't understand these are people who are begging to be part of a traditionally conservative institution that celebrates monogamy and economic stability. This is something we should be applauding. These aren't people who are trying to get rid of the institution of marriage. These are people who want to be a part of it, and, and that's, that's a good thing for American family values. That's a good thing for children. That's, That's an a good awesome thing for point. adoption. That's a good thing for, for economic stability. So uh, really, I mean, it's always, it's always been natural for me to make a conservative case for gay marriage, but I hope seeing some of the faces of these people who have fought for so long for very little, really just for recognition of their unions, their monogamous unions, I really hope that this can change some hearts and minds in my party. You're not going to do it at the barrel of a gun. You're going to do it through human stories like these. You're going to, and, and, and gay Americans want to be equal citizens. They don't want to be second class citizens. And you can see that on the faces there. Essie, just tell our viewers why this is so emotional for you. You know, I, I grew up with, with gay friends. My, some of my closest friends are gay, gay people. And I've been getting texts, you know, all, all day, all morning. Um, you know, uh, how, how happy they are and how happy they know I am. I'm, I'm the signatory of, on a number of amicus briefs in favor of gay marriage. And these are people. I mean, this is why people like Rob Portman have changed their minds, because you meet people, not policies, not politics. But as you meet real people and you realize they're not asking for much, they're asking for what you take for granted. They're asking for recognition and human dignity. They're not extremists. They're not pariahs. They're patriots. And 
So to celebrate with them after so many years of feeling like there was a double standard and different treatment means everything to me. And more young people like me are going to just know more people like that. And, and that's why I'm, I'm trying to tell my party that you're going to be a relic. You're going to be left behind if you don't come to terms with the fact that this is our future. You don't have to like it, you don't have to embrace it, but you have to accept it. This is, this is not a moment in history. This is the future. And basically, from what, what, what I'm hearing you say, what our polls show is that young Republicans yeah. like you, SC, they're, they're with you. They're not with their parents' generation when it comes to the issue of same-sex marriage. Yeah, I'm not alone here. I mean, we, we might be the minority within the Republican Party, but when you look at groups, former group Go Proud or Log Cabin Republicans, Conservatives for the Freedom to Marry, there are, there are legions of young conservatives out there who think it is perfectly within the purview of their conservative values to support gay marriage and support the idea that the government should not be in the business of marriage. The government should stay out of our private lives. So um, I think you're just going to find more and more conservatives right. like me of that mind as, as we move forward. Uh, so my favorite part of what she said is when she makes the plea to the GOP and says, you're going to be a relic. You're going to be left behind if you don't come to terms with the fact this is our future. And this is it. She, like she said, this isn't a moment in history. This is the future. She, she repeated this, this line over and over that they're not asking for a lot. And they're not. All they're asking for is equal treatment under the law. Under the Constitution of the United States of America, which so many Republicans and so many conservatives claim to respect and honor. Right. And one of the big arguments I've been seeing a lot since this reaction from the opposition is that there has been this religious intolerance that's going on. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but when you look at the people that are opposed to this... And you compare that with the scenes of these happy people hugging and kissing and they're just overjoyed that finally they have equal protection under the law. And then you see several presidential candidates we're about to talk about saying, hurry quick, we need to do an emergency amendment right. to stop this from happening. To stop what? Right. To stop people from getting married? Th that's the thing. The Constitution, which they love and cherish and, and revere, and I do, they're willing to change it because we're in such dire straits. Oh, my God, we're getting ready to make a group of people equal citizens <laughs> under the law. Let's change the Constitution so that doesn't happen. Which, think about that. Fucking terrible bigots. Think about that because they always do the, the love the sinner, hate the sin. Right. No, no. And yeah. again, no, because you're claiming to be loving, but you're you're acting as though this is an emergency situation. Right. In fact, should we read Brian Fisher's tweets right oh now? Oh, my God. I was hoping to. Let's do that because you just said it. But what I was hoping to do was go from some of the reactions of the most reputable down through the most crazy but let's well we can do that that sounds better okay. well i don't know do we want to end it on a positive note well because we've got the joshua feuerstein hey everybody joshua feuerstein here i got my gold <laughs> i got that whole clip i want to play right so let's i tell you what we'll just play that at the end because goddamn it's good but let's start let's go ahead 
let's go ahead with Brian Fisher. Okay, so Brian Fisher tweeted immediately after the decision. Oh, he he has not stopped since the decision. He's losing his fucking old man mind over this. He says, from a moral standpoint, 626 is now our 911. <laughs> June 26, 2015. Wow. The day the twin towers of truth and righteousness were blown up by moral jihadists. Oh, what a beautiful metaphor, Brian Fisher. June 26, 2015. A date which will live in infamy. <laughs> it's completely insane. Yeah, listen. This is a message to you, Brian Fisher. You should be happy about the Supreme Court ruling because now you can finally come out of the closet, quit acting as though you hate homosexuals, and you can marry the man of your dreams. We've talked about on the show many times, there was a study that, 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 that indicated that m people who are fervently homophobic usually have the, the largest positive reaction to homosexual porn. Well, I think that Brian Fisher, Kevin Swanson, these types who are obsessed with homosexuals and obsessed with homosexuality, they are truth wieners because the wiener don't lie, Brittany. Well, the thing is, so Brian Fisher is a man of God. He's a religious person. He claims to be. And he's equating gay individuals being able to marry with... Thousands of people being murdered right. on 9-11. Yeah, systematically murdered. Yeah. Um, he's equating the two. Well, he's not even he's not even the only one who's who's making that same comparison. People are com comparing this to the the Holocaust. So it's it's fucking terrible. Well, I'm just confused how the the love the sinner hate the sin comes in when you are comparing people being able to marry. To 9-11. I mean, right. this seems like hatred to me. This seems like very clear hatred that is of these individuals. That's because it is. The what would Jesus do doesn't really apply to Brian Fisher and his ilk. He does what he wants. He says what he wants. He doesn't exude Christ-like love or behavior. He's on his own program. Because I can only imagine how hurtful that is for LGBTQ individuals to read. Yeah. That someone believes that you being able to get married is like 9-11. I mean, that's just very... Well, it's it's going back to what Essie Cup said, that, you know, they conservatives and Republicans and the religious should be very happy about this because they're not trying to destroy the institution of marriage. They're trying to respect it and treat it as the sanctified kind of thing that it is, that people believe it to be, the sanctity of marriage. They're trying to add to that with a monogamous relationship and radical right-wing conservative freaked out Christians are losing their collective minds right now. So you mentioned the Holocaust and I think you're referring to a meme that's been going around on Facebook. It says, back when I studied the Holocaust in school, I remember thinking, how did Hitler get over six million people to follow along blindly and not fight back? Then I realized I'm watching my fellow Americans take the same path. Uh, these people <laughs> drive me goddamn crazy. It's as though they don't know about the history of what they're talking about, which is clearly what it is. Listen, the fact that we just released from oppressive government policy millions of Americans from the oppression 
of not allowing them to marry and treating them like second class citizens. The, yeah, that's exactly what Hitler did. That's ex <laughs> yeah. Yo, what did Hitler do when he took over Germany? Oh yeah, he released a bunch of people from bondage <laughs> and oppression. Yeah, the, and the systematic, tr terrible treatment under the government. That's what he did. Oh no, wait, no, he didn't. He he gathered all the Jews, put them into ghettos, and then systematically carried them to concentration camps and murdered them. Yeah, a little different than a Holocaust, you fucking idiots. And he's look that meme's not the only one. Like I mentioned. The famed Josh Feuerstein, the fast-talking, slick, backward hat-wearing guy who sits in his minivan and doesn't put his ca camera horizontal. <laughs> Which is Jesse's biggest pet peeve, everybody. Oh, God damn. Anyway, he had this to say. Oh, I can't wait. And I, I don't even know if we're going to have any commentary afterward because it's just so goddamn crazy. Anyway, this is what he said. What's up, Josh Fierstein here. Look, I need to explain to you why what Obama and the Supreme Court just did just in Supreme legalizing Court. gay marriage in all 50 states. Hang on. That's exactly right. It's not what Obama and the Supreme Court did. It's what the Supreme Court did. We have a three-branched government. We have the judiciary, which is what the Supreme Court is in. We have the executive branch, which is where Obama resides. And then we have the legislative branch, which is Congress and the Senate, where the laws are written. I don't want to have to give you a civics lesson, Jal Shah Feuerstein. Well, also, five of the nine Supreme Court justices were <laughs> appointed right. by Republicans. That's exactly right. So, so uh, we'll let him continue. I'll try not to interrupt. Literally usurping the authority of each individual state is the beginning of the Christian Holocaust. Now, I know you may think that I'm crazy, but I just need to break it down for you so that you have understanding and knowledge that you can see what is coming. There's very few voices that are speaking this kind of truth today, but here it is. For those of you, first of all, that think Obama is a Christian, you're totally wrong. I don't even know where you could get that idea. If you look at Obama and the values and the principles, the things that he supports, the way that he operates, how is it that a Christian could support gay marriage? How is it that a Christian could support abortion? How is it that a Christian could push Muslim agenda? You cannot. <laughs> if you are a Christian, you are a Christian above everything else. In fact, you, because God is the supreme authority you're a christian before you're even an american now here is the problem today now that 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 gay marriage has been legalized across the board all 50 states no matter what the state wants to do about it now all of a sudden it becomes hate speech the moment that you even want to give a dissenting opinion the moment that you want to say that you don't stand for gay marriage look at what happens all of a sudden the public outcry you are a bigot you're a homophobe you hate people you're you're this you're that you know and see, Obama's using the same tactics that Hitler did. Intimidation. Mm. What he does is this. He begins to paint particular groups of people like they are intolerant and they are against progress. Here we're trying to build this utopian society, <laughs> but here are these stupid Christians that just want to hold on to their Bibles and their guns because they are intolerant, they are not for progress, and we need to do something about it. Think about it, America, because this is the way that it's going. They call it progression, but what it really is, it's opening people up to the idea of persecution for people that do not believe the same thing that they believe in. You guys see how the tide of public opinion has turned against the Confederate flag. Now, I don't necessarily have an opinion on the Confederate flag of except for this. You don't. 
except that in one week, it's gone from a non-issue to a humongous issue. And it's dividing our nation. And this is how Hitler worked. And this is what Obama's doing. Look at all of the race riots that have been taking place uh, uh, recently. They've all been spurred on by people going in and stirring things up. Why? Because Hitler understood that if you riot and you get people to be afraid, first of all, if you divide America by race and you divide people into segments, you can conquer it. But check this out. The minute that there's riots, people get afraid and people will trade their freedom for safety. You want an America that has no guns and free meals and free health care and free everything and free time where only the police have guns? Well, check this out. They have something like that. It's called prison. Think about it, America. What's coming? It's time to wake up. I'm asking that you would take a few moments and that you would share this video. Why? Because somebody today needs to wake up to the truth that, yes, the uh, that the, the dictators that are in power today are stripping freedom from the American people. I promise you, something scary's coming. So share the video, like, comment below. If you're not my friend already on Facebook, you want a daily dose of truth, click my name at the top of the video. Let's be friends. God bless. Have a beautiful day. Uh, I, I really can't believe that you made me sit through all that. I know. I almost turned it off, but it was just too, so too tasty. What What's really frustrating about that is that he said Obama at the beginning so he could focus on Obama the entire time. So So everything he would say would fit the narrative that he needs. Right, right. When none of that had anything to do with the Supreme Court. Right. Well, the ruling he, even master lawyer litigator, everybody, Joshua Fuelstein. Right. And apparently he didn't watch the funeral in Charleston. <laughs> right. Because Obama was there. Yes, and he was. And a member of the church got up and said, someone should have t- told that boy, speaking about Dylan Roof, mm-hmm. that if he wanted to come here and start a race war, he came to the wrong place. Right. Meaning... We're not into that. We're loving everybody. They have unified. The right. city of Charleston, South Carolina, has definitely come together. And so Obama was there. That's a message he supports. This isn't a separating segregation races like Fierstein's trying to say. I just and that doesn't even having to do with the Supreme well, Court. Here's the here's the thing. The reason I wanted to play this is not because it's. I mean, one, it's funny, and he's a fucking jackass. But he's got a, over a million Facebook followers. So even if 100,000 of them are just there for the freak show and they want to see what the hell he has to say, he has 900, almost a million Facebook followers. That's, that's alarming. I mean, that is a, a large percentage of people who are going to him for information. He's not, again, I say this all the time, but it's just like Pat Robertson. He's not just a fringe outlier. He's problematic. 1.4 million people. Oh my god, are like you kidding me? Like his page on Facebook. Oh, he also has a blue check mark like he's a real celebrity. So he's verified. Yes. 1. Point, almost a million and a half idiots listen to him and go to him for his daily dose of truth. That's scary. Also, I don't believe that he really believes what he's saying, and he probably is just making money doing this, yeah. being hyperbolic and I hope that's ridiculous. The case. Well, that's what I'll choose to believe. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on to more more credible people who have dissenting opinions. Maybe not as uh, maybe not uh, any any more sane, but for certainly more credible. Vox put out a. A list of the most angry, vitriolic responses to the Supreme Court ruling 
down through to the most reasonable, if there is a reasonable um, response. And we want to go through that for you in the spirit of dollamocracy. So we're going to start with uh, Ted Cruz. What did he have to say, Brittany? Right. And these are all going to be GOP presidential candidates. Of course, because the Democrats are on board. Right. They are correct. They are on the right side of history relative to this issue. So Ted Cruz, in an interview with Sean Hannity, said that the past day when the ruling came out was some of the darkest 24 hours in our nation's history. Uh, he might as well be starring in a Josh Feuerstein video. He said that <laughs> the decision was, quote, the very definition of lawlessness, that it was naked and unadulterated judicial activism, and that it put religious liberty, quote, front and center in the target of the federal government. He added that the decision would renew the press for a constitutional convention. Ugh. So he's calling for a constitutional amendment to to make marriage, to define marriage. Right. Which has nothing to do with the government. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. So let's move down the list. Mike Huckabee. Quote, the Supreme Court has spoken with a very divided voice on something only the supreme being can do. <laughs> Redefine marriage. I will not acquiesce to an imperial court any more than our founders acquiesce to an imperial British monarch. The Supreme Court can no more repeal the laws of nature and nature's God on marriage than it can the laws of gravity. Uh, just fucking idiot. All right. Crazy number three, Bobby Jindal. Quote, marriage between a man and a woman was established by God, and no earthly court can alter that. This decision will pave the way for an all-out assault against the religious freedom rights of Christians who disagree with, with this decision. It is, it is anathema to me that politicians, men running for president of the United States, would use so freely God and religion and that type of talk in their in their talking points it just it's disgusting to me because of the theocracy feeling that right you get. yeah it's listen we, we are a secular government we we have a a in our constitution we're not establishing a, re, a, a religion the establishment clause in the first amendment it, it, anyway it's just disgusting so shockingly not number one but number four is rick santorum Today, five unelected justices decided to redefine the foundational unit that binds together our society without public debate or input. Now is the people's opportunity to respond because the future of the institution of marriage is too important to not have a public debate. Marriage, the family, and our children are too central to a healthy society to not fight for what is best. I realized that fact early on, and that is why I led the charge against some in my own party in 2004 to ensure the federal marriage amendment received a vote, and I continue to stand for marriage, for families, for freedom. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, let's move on to high school graduate Scott Walker, because <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before. Scott Walker does not have a college degree. He is a high school graduate, and he's running for president of the United States. Well, that's not necessarily a problem, right? Okay, we'll just continue. All right. I believe this Supreme Court decision is a grave mistake. As a result of this decision, the only alternative left for the American people is to support an amendment to the U.S. Constitution to reaffirm the ability of the states to continue to define marriage. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's pick up the pace. Rick Perry. 
So he's disappointed with the Supreme Court decision, but he doesn't necessarily say anything about wanting to amend the decision. Right. Okay. Um, I don't know why we're talking about her, but Carly Fiorina. She takes the same position as Rick Perry. All right. Marco Rubio. He says, quote, I believe that marriage as the key to strong family life is the most important institution in our society and should be between one man and one woman. While I disagree with this decision, we live in a republic and must abide by the law. As we look ahead, it must be a priority of the next president to nominate judges and justices committed to applying the Constitution as written and originally understood. Is that not what we have yeah. since five have been appointed by right. Republicans? Of course. The other four Democrats. <laughs> and uh, number nine, Nutter Butter, Ben Carson. While I strongly disagree with the Supreme Court's decision, their ruling is now the law of the land. I call on Congress to make sure deeply held religious views are respected and protected. I support same-sex civil unions, but to me, and millions like me, marriage is a religious service, not a government form. And then disappointingly enough for me, my up-to-this-point favorite candidate, John Kasich. The governor has always believed in the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, but our nation's highest court has spoken, and we must respect its decision. Which, you know, it leaves me in kind of a tough spot here, because now that now that the, the ruling has come down, it doesn't matter what a candidate thinks. So maybe I have to amend my, my, prior, my prior understanding or litmus test that now if a candidate wants to amend the Constitution, he doesn't get my vote, because... Now it doesn't matter if they believe or don't believe in gay marriage. Gay marriage is the law of the land. Marriage for all is the law of the land. Right. Now the dividing line is, do you want an amendment to the Constitution or are you just going to take this on? Right. So, okay, let's move on. Chris Christie from New Jersey. So he agrees with the dissent written by Chief Justice Roberts, which put emphasis on the state's rights. And he said that he will respect the law of the land, but that he doesn't agree with how it was done. Sure. All right. More famously, Jeb Bush. He says, guided by my faith, I believe in traditional marriage. I believe the Supreme Court should have allowed the states to make this decision. I also believe that we should love our neighbor and respect others, including those making lifetime commitments. In a country as diverse as ours, good people who have opposing views should be able to live side by side. It is now crucial that as a country, we protect religious freedom and the right of conscience and also not discriminate. Huh. That's actually a shocking statement i guess for well, me well he wants to win well but i mean it really i don't know that i believe he's against gay marriage and i'm no giant fan of jeb bush it just he seems like a reasonable guy to me and it's the same thing obama in 2000 in 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 april of 2010 believed that marriage was between a man and a woman and all of a sudden in the last four and a half years he's changed his mind but jeb bush is coming around it sounds like a, a relatively reasonable position so let's finish it up with lindsey graham let me ask you about the Republican Party platform. The 2012 platform said this. We affirm our support for a constitutional amendment defining marriage as the union yeah. of one man and one woman. Should that go away in 2016? I don't believe there is any chance for a constitutional amendment defining marriage between one man and one woman to get two-thirds votes in the House or the Senate and be ratified by three-fourths of the state. So get it out of the platform. I think I agree with you. 
in my view, you can put it in the platform, but it will, in my view, hurt us in 2016 because it's a process that's not going to bear fruit. What I want to do is protect the religious liberties of those who believe that opposing uh, same-sex marriage is part of their faith. So, no, I would not engage in the constitutional amendment process as a party going into 2016, except the court's ruling, fight for the religious liberties of every American. The, I mean, it's a decent statement, whatever, but it just it's, it's kind of a cop-out, you know? Yeah. Because he, he's, he's tacking that on at the end about defending the religious liberties and if you mean someone who owns a cake shop being able to discriminate against gays, that's a problem. Right. But if you mean that we shouldn't be forcing some Assemblies of God pastor or a Catholic priest to marry two gay guys or two lesbians, that's a different story. I don't believe that the government should enter into the policies of the church and who they marry and who they don't marry. I think that's a problem. Right, but he makes a good point that it needs to be taken out of the party platform yes. or the GOP is going to have a problem. Right, they will become relics, as S.E. Cup said. So there's one more candidate we haven't talked about in his particular flavor on marriage. This particular interview was done before the Supreme Court decision, but this is what he had to say. Multiple marriage having Donald Trump was on with Jake Tapper, and this is what happened. So we do have Donald Trump as our guest. One of the things I asked him about was about his uh, stance, he says, in favor of traditional marriage. Take a listen. What do you say to a, a lesbian who's married or a gay man who's married who says, Donald Trump, what's traditional about being married three times? Well, I, I, they have a very good point. But, you know, I've been a very hardworking person. I've had actually, I have a great marriage. I have a great wife now. And I, the, the, my two wives were very good. But what do you say to a, a, a lesbian or a gay man who are married and say? I, I really don't say anything. I mean, I'm okay. just, I'm just, Jake, I'm for traditional marriage. We should point out, Victor, that that interview took place before the U.S. Supreme Court uh, decision on Friday, but still uh, Donald Trump maintaining his position uh, that this is an issue that should be left to the states, and he himself personally uh, in favor of traditional marriage between one man and one woman. We have lots more with Donald Trump coming up. So this leaves us, after having talked about the different candidates, to talk about, you know, kind of what's next. And as we always like to bring you with data and research and facts and figures, Pew Research, as always, has come through for us. Pew, 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 pew. How is this going to affect and impact religious institutions and in particular their tax exempt status? So during the oral arguments in this case, Justice Samuel Alito drew a possible parallel with Bob Jones University, a fundamentalist Christian institution that lost its nonprofit tax exempt status in 1983 as a result of its policy banning interracial marriage and dating. In 1983, that's 10 years after the Mormon church decided to treat blacks equal. So if the court ruled in favor of gay marriage, would the same apply to a university or college if it applied 
if it opposed same-sex marriage. This was the question that was asked, and everyone agreed that the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution offers some protection for religious groups. For example, most, even among gay rights advocates, believe that the Constitution protects clergy from being required to officiate at marriages for same-sex couples and churches from being forced to allow gay and lesbian couples to marry in their sanctuaries. But what about a church basement? or retreat center, which is rented out for opposite-sex weddings? And what about a religiously affiliated institution like a university that offers married heterosexual students housing but refuses such accommodation for married gay and lesbian students? These questions have real-world implications, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially since virtually all American religious groups have affiliated nonprofits, schools, hospitals, charities. That's the deal. Listen, if you're if you are a nonprofit organization, you pay no taxes, you're exempt from from supporting the country in which we live, uh, and you're treating your sanctuary like a business or you're treating your your basement as a business, as a for-profit business, then you don't get to discriminate. But if it's open to your followers, to your church members, and you're not charging, then do what you want. It's your thing. But as soon as you start making money off of it, and you're not paying taxes on that money that you make, fuck you. So in this Pew article, University of Illinois law professor Robin Fretwell Wilson says it's possible that institutions will be pressured to give ground on gay marriage by federal authorities, such as the IRS, which could take away an institution's tax-exempt status, state civil rights commissions, or private lawsuits. She notes that the federal government now reads its laws against sex discrimination, quote, to include sexual orientation discrimination, which opens a whole layer of potential threat to religious organizations. That's interesting to me. I, I'll have to look into that maybe a little deeper, but um, I don't believe that you're discriminating against a church if you take away their tax-exempt status. No one has a right to be tax-exempt in my eyes, especially an organization like a church. I don't believe, obviously, I, <laughs> I don't think it's any, any surprise or mystery to anyone, that I don't believe any church should be tax exempt. They're clearly making money. Their clergy are making money hand over fist. The Joel Austins of the world shouldn't be sheltered from paying taxes like every other American. So we'll see. You know, I, I don't know exactly what's to come. I would be opposed to forcing Catholic ministers, whether they be priests or whatever, from from performing ceremonies. Um, and I hope that doesn't happen. I think that that would be impinging upon the freedom of their religion. All right, we're going to move on, but we're leaving a lot behind on the table here. We're going to have to get to next episode. We are skipping uh, Bristol Palin is pregnant. The queen of abstinence education is pregnant again, out of wedlock. And <laughs> We were going to talk about that, but we're not going to have time. The other thing is we were going to talk about how polygamy arguments are now kind of what I believe to be next relative to marriage in this country. And we want to know what you think about that. So this is a great opportunity to preemptively get your opinion in so we can talk about it when we analyze this next episode. What do you think about whether or not polygamy should be legal in the United States? 
We want to hear from you. We really want to hear from you on this. 657-464-7609. Once again, the phone number, 657-464-7609. As always, you can send us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. And even if you have thoughts on Bristol Palin, since we'll be (laughs) talking about her next time as well, feel free to let us know how you feel about that situation. Because we always love your voicemails. We always love your voice memos. We always love your emails. We always love your, your Facebook messages even. If you're listening to me right now and you are not following the Facebook page or you have not reviewed us on iTunes, you need to get it together and join the party because it is a good one. I guess in the spirit, though, of having this be the gayest episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore in the history of the show, we're going to wrap it up with this uplifting story. Baseball history was made Thursday on a field of wistful dreams in Northern California wine country when the sport's first openly gay professional started the game as a pitcher. Sean Conroy, 23, took the mound for the Sonoma Stoppers, a 22-man team that is part of the Independent Pacific Association of Baseball Clubs. Conroy walked his first batter and struck out his second. The right-hander tossed a three-hitter and struck out 11 over nine innings in a 7-0 win. Wow, that's awesome. That's big news. Listen, I like when any, you know, whether it be Michael Sam from the University of Missouri being drafted in the NFL and subsequently being let go. I don't know where he is right now in the system, but it's nice when these barriers are broken down. It's a new world in which we live. It's a beautiful thing when someone's not judged upon their sexuality. They're judged upon their ability, upon their performance. And he's obviously performing a 7-0 win. That is awesome. We love to have uplifting stories like that. They're beautiful. And apparently his goal has always been to be the first openly gay baseball player. So he is very open about sharing his story. It's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So great. Well, with that uplifting news, we're going to leave you there. We appreciate you very much for listening twice a week. We, uh, we couldn't do it without you. If you appreciate what we do and you'd like to take part in moving the conversation forward why don't you go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. On our Patreon page, you can contribute 25, 50 cents an episode. If the army of listeners that we have can throw a little bit of change our way, we can really move forward in the conversations that we have. Uh, if enough of you come out, we, you know, we can do a third or a fourth episode a week. It really depends upon the support that we receive from the audience. So, if you're, if you're in a position to do that, we would love to have you join our, our growing number of patrons on Patreon. That's all we have for today, though. As always, we appreciate you listening. We love you guys. It is awesome. This is a good day to be an American. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Those people there are not pariahs, they are patriots.